hello everybody and happy 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 sunday it has been a wonderful sunday um church this morning at henderson first assembly in henderson kentucky was amazing this morning god is moving in our church and i'm loving that i hope that you have a church home and if you're not you're seeking for a church home because you know the church isn't our relationship with jesus we have to have a personal one but it does help to have to worship with the body of believers and have a body of believers that you know has got your back praying for you um interceding for you and and, and helping you grow in your relationship with christ it's great so as we talked about last week we we're going to do a series on apologetics we talked about that there's a lot of reasons why the people are leaving the church while people why people are choosing not to believe or having struggles with believing and we talked about how apologetics is a good tool to minister to people who you know they're they're more logically based thinking and just need some of that evidence and the pieces to kind of fit together for them it's a great tool and so i'm hoping that over the next few weeks however long i decide to make this series that it blesses you and that you grow in your knowledge of, of you how you can be confident that what you believe is the truth and then i would like to make a special note that on august 21st which is a sunday it's two weeks from today we're going to have special guest uh pastor cherokee parker with us on this podcast and we are going to talk about another reason why people are leaving the church and that's because of wounds whether it's wounds that have been caused with within the church or just wounds that they've had from their past that is causing them to step away from the church and lose their faith so we'll be talking about that in um a few weeks so let's get started all right so today we're going to talk about the bible we're going to talk about a little bit about some of the facts that we have in regards to the bible i don't know how long i'm going to make this um and what all i'm going to add i'm just going to kind of go go through and talk a little bit about the bible but i wanted to give you some basics first about the bible so the bible was written over a span of 1600 years by 40 40 plus authors so let's logically think about this for a minute so it was written over a span of 1600 years we do not know of any human that has lived 1600 years so there's no man that lived that whole span of time so when you think about it there were 40 different authors that lived in different generations in different lifetimes and yet the bible still comes together as one cohesive piece yes there are 66 books that make up the bible but those 66 books fit together there's no real contradictions in the bible and we'll talk about that later and how we can have confidence in there not being contradictions in the bible and i think that that's what we're going to talk about next week um because that was going to be too much to add into this week this preliminary look at the bible but that's one thing that you know we can just attest to and then if you you look further into the bible there are um over 300 different prophecies of Jesus's coming of his death and his resurrection of his birth that took place in the Old Testament that were written about in the Old Testament and took place in the New Testament so we see prophecies being fulfilled hundreds of years later that is something to note that should not be overlooked 
So now we can look at, and we're going to look at this in a later episode, but there's also archaeological evidence that supports the events that took place in the Bible. And I want to say events instead of stories because the Bible is truth. And what the Bible says happened are actual accounts of historical events that took place. We don't just think that they're stories that, oh, that can make us feel good and like that we could use to try to get people to believe like these things that, that are talked about in the Bible are real life events, real things that have happened. And we need to be confident in that. And we need to understand that. That's something that we need to understand. So let's break down the Bible a little bit. And like I said, I'm going to be jumping around a little bit. And I don't want to take up too much of your time today. Because I know that not everybody's going to be interested in this topic of apologetics. But it's something that's been on my heart and I wanted to share with you guys. So there are different types of writings in the Bible. So there's book handwriting. According to New Testament scholar Bruce Metzger, literary works were written in a more formal style of bookhand, which was characterized by more deliberate and carefully executed letters, each one separate from the other, somewhat like or capital letters. Apologist Norma Geisler and William Nix uh, note that the most important manuscripts of the New Testament are generally considered to be great unicial codices that date from the fourth and following centuries. New Testament manuscripts were written in the fusion. However, they're called unicials. And then there's cursive script writing of smaller letters that were created for the production of books that began around the 19th century AD. So there's, um, so we know that the Bible was translated in that you know, we, we know that the Bible is infallible, it's the infallible word of God, and that, that it was God-inspired, which means that, yes, humans wrote with their hands, but they were inspired by God, spoken to by God on what to write in the Bible. And so you've got, you know, book handwriting, and then you've got minuscule um, writing, which, which took place later to help us to get what we have today. So now let's look at the the divisions of the Bible. So the Bible is devised into 66 books. You've got 39 in the Old Testament and 27 in the New Testament. And then you've got chapters. So let's look at the Old Testament. The first divisions were made prior to the Babylonian captivity, which began in 586 BC. The Pentateuch, which are the first five books of the Bible, was divided into the 154 groupings called Sederim, which were designed to provide lessons sufficient to cover a three-year cycle of reading. Around 150, or, sorry, 165 BC, the Old Testament books of the prophets were simu- similarly sectioned for reference and for ease. And then during the Reformation era, the, old, the Hebrew Old Testament began to follow the Protestant chapter uh, division, however, it had been placed in the margins as early as 1330. So their um, book division was was created to make, and the chapters and stuff were created to make a an easier way of reading the Bible, of being able to study the Bible. Because if you think about it, if it was all one book, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, over a thousand pages, obviously, um, and if it was all just one book going and going and going and going that would be super hard to read super hard to study so 
it was devised into different um, books, into different chapters. The New Testament. The Greeks first made paragraph divisions before the Council of Nicaea in A.D. 325, perhaps as early as A.D. 250. The oldest system of chapter divisions originated, originated about A.D. 350 and, and appears in the margins of Codex Vaticus. Uh, however, these sections are much smaller than our, our modern chapter divisions. So then there's verses. Not only do we have the books, the chapters, and then it gets into verses. First John 1 John 1.1, that kind of thing. It says the Old Testament. The first verse indicators were merely spaces between words because the words were run together continuously through a given book. After the Babylonian captivity, for the purpose of public reading and interpretation, space stops were employed, and still later additional markings were added. It was not until about AD 900 that the markings were standardized. For the New Testament, verse markings similar to what we have in our modern Bibles did not appear in the New Testament until the middle of the 16th century. The markings first occurred in the fourth edition of the Greek New Testament published by Robert Stephanus, partisan printer, in 1551. These were introduced into the English New Testament by William Whittingham of Oxford in 1557. So I wanted to, to clarify that when the Bible was written, first it was all continuous, it was all one thing, and then as time went on, um, it was devised into chapters and verses. Now, that does not mean anything was added or taken away from it um, to change what God had intended for his word. They just wanted to make it into an easier, more studyable um, work than just having it, like I said, as one big continuous 1500-page work. They wanted the Bible to be easier to be studied. And I, am number one, appreciate that because I like to study one or two chapters at a time. And it's better when those are chunked out for me than trying to decide how, how much I'm going to read before I stop. So, that just gives you a little bit of the history of how, you know, the chapters and the verses and all of that came to be. So, now we're going to look at who decided what to put in the Bible. A book is not the word of God because it, it is accepted by the people of God. Rather, it was accepted by the people of God because it is the word of God. That is, God gives the books, book its divine authority, not the people of God. They merely recognize the divine authority which God gives to it. That was by Geyser and Nix. And I thought that that was a very, very, very important, 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 important quote. So... The Bible is not the word of God because we have accepted it as the word of God. It, it, is it accepted by the people of God because it is the word of God. God is the one that gives the Bible its authority. We don't give it authority. God, give it, it, God gave it its authority, gives it its authority. And, and I, I want to remind you guys that the word of God is living and acted sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing through joint and marrow. Uh, and it's living today is what I want, want to make note of. It is living today and it's active today, which means what we're talking about is not that it was a historical book that was for back in the day, but has no real power or authority or clout now. No, the Bible is still very much so culturally revel relevant 
the Bible is still for today. It is still living and active, which means there are things that have been mentioned in the Bible that have yet to be fulfilled, that have yet to come to pass. You know, Jesus is the fulfillment of all things. And one day Jesus will come back, as is noted in the Bible. Has that happened yet? No. His first coming has happened. His second coming has not happened yet. But it will. So this word of God is still living and active. So why the canon? So let's look at the Old Testament. The Old Testament canon is the treaty documents that God made with Israel. The covenant is the single most important theological structure in the Old Testament. The idea of an Old Testament canon has its roots in the covenant God made with Israel. So, scripture equating the covenant and the written text. There are several scriptures that equate um, the covenant in the Old Testament. You got Exodus 24, verses seven, verse 7, and Exodus 31, verse 18. Deuteronomy 4, 13, and Deuteronomy 29, 21. 2 Kings 32, 2, and 2 Chronicles 34, 30. And we're not going to read all of the scripture because, like I said, if we read all the scripture... Um, that backs up all of this we would be here all night so the new testament early christianity in the new testament emerged within the larger context of judaism three beliefs held by the christians of the early church that would have led to the formation of the new testament are these christians of the early church believed the old testament was unfinished people of the new testament knew that there was more that god wanted to say and that god wanted for his church Christians of the early church believed God was ushering in a new covenant. So they, they um, understood that the, there was this old covenant, but that God had a new covenant for his people. And we, we know that that new covenant came with Jesus Christ and him, his death and his resurrection. Obviously, that's why now we don't have to, you know, um, sacrifice animals and live by the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law. And then the third one is Christians of the early church believed the apostles possessed the authority of Christ. They understood that the apostles were kind of God's mouthpiece. And so they knew there was more to come. So New Testament canon books. Reasons for their collection. They were prophetic. The needs of the early church. The rise of heretics. The circulation of spurious writing, mission, and persecution. So, that was the reason for the need for the New Testament. They were prophetic. Everything that we read in the New Testament is prophetic for us today. There's, there's prophecies of, of um, eschatological events, eschatology which is the second coming of Christ. There are, are prophecies of what, the God, of what God still wants to do in the church today. The needs of the early church. There was great need in the early church because there were a lot of people that were rising up trying to speak against God, speak against what God was doing. The rise of heretics. There were so many heretical people out there that were spreading things that are contrary to the truth. The circulation of other writings out there that were trying to claim to be truth that were that was not. The mission. There was a mission. God had a mission for the disciples, for the apostles. And then persecution. 
we see where where Paul was persecuted, where the disciples were persecuted, where uh, many of them ended up being martyrs, being killed for their faith. The New T- Testament can, canon is classified into um, five different kind of sections. So you've got the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The History, which is the book of Acts. The Pauline Epistles, which are... Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Hebrew, Titus, and Philemon. Then you've got the general epistles, which is James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st through 3rd John, and Jude. And then the prophecy, which is the book of Revelation. So now, um, the last part that I wanted to talk about today, because like I said, we're going to talk about the Bible again next week, um, because we're going to talk about um, answering some of the questions, like some of the how, how, how do you explain contradictions or perceived, we're going to quote-unquote perceived contradictions that people are claiming are in the Bible and talk a little bit more closely about the Bible. But like I said, I just wanted to give an overview of the Bible today. So this next, next part, we're actually going to open up the Word and we're going to look at a couple of things. So New Testament witness to the Old Testament. Because that's one of the things that people um, can sometimes say is like, okay, there's two different testaments. Maybe the Old Testament that was legit and was historical and was needed, but maybe there's not much stock that could be put into the New Testament. We know that not to be true. We know that from Genesis to Revelation, from beginning to end, from cover to cover, from the first letter to the last letter, the Word of God was inspired. It is the Word of God, and it is for us today. So let's look at the first scripture that is a witness to the Old Testament, and that's going to be found in the book of Matthew. Matthew is the first book of the Old Testament, the first gospel. So Matthew twenty-one Let's look at that here. Oh no, my computer is running low on battery, so we're going to have to hurry this thing up. Okay. So Matthew twenty one forty two states, Jesus said to them, Have you never read in scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. The Lord ha- this was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The stone that the builder rejected, that that was written in the New Test or Old Testament, again here in the New Testament. And and again, you've got to understand that there's different writers and it's written over a span of so many, so many, so many years. That this could not just be coincidental. The whole book of Luke 24 is prophetic of what is talked about in the Old Testament. We're not going to read the whole book of Luke 24 because that would take forever. Now Acts 18. Book of Acts is the first book after the Gospels. So Acts 18, verse 28. It states, For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is Christ. So here you have them. You see records in, in, in the New Testament. Um, in Acts, I think it's chapter 8. Philip with the the Ethiopian eunuch. He is opening up the Old Testament. He is showing 
him that the Old Testament is truth, the New Testament is truth. And right here it says, For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures. So from the scriptures, um, because the all of the New Testament hadn't been written yet up to this point, when it says the scripture, it's talking about the Old, Old Testament canon. He vigorously refuted the Jews, showing them from the Old Testament canon that Jesus is Christ. Then you've got Romans 16.26. It states, But now we made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to faith, to God alone wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Again, referring to the, what, how does it word it? It says by the prophetic scriptures, which is the Old Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 3 and 4 states, for I have delivered to you, first of all, that w which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to scripture. the scriptures. Again, those scriptures have to be the, the Old Testament because the New Testament hadn't been put together yet. Alright, so let's look at 1 Timothy 5.18. First Timothy five eighteen states For the scripture says you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Again, quoting back to Old Testament scripture. Second Timothy three sixteen. Let's look at that. All scripture is given by God, by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All scripture. Talking about first letter of Genesis, the last letter of the book of Revelation. And lastly, Second Peter. Chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 states, Knowing this verse, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. This talks about it being God-breathed, God-inspired, and this is talking about the book of prophecies, which is the Old Testament. So today I just wanted to give you an overview of the Old Testament. So, so we learned that there's many different types of writing in the, the Bible many different types of writing in the Bible we talked about division and how um, chapter divisions and, and book divisions and verses came to be to make the Bible easier to read but that doesn't mean that anything was added or taken away they just divided it in order to make it easier to be studied we looked at um, how the Bible was written by over 40 different authors over a span of 1600 years and how it still cohesively fits together into 66 books of the Bible. We're going to talk about next week 
Oh, and we also talked about how New Testament um, writings talk back to the Old Testament to tie it all together. So next week we're going to look at um, different tests that have been done to to show that there are no real contradictions in the Bible. It's going to talk about the perceived contradictions that humans have um, claimed there to be and how we can refute and, 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 and speak against those alleged contradictions. Um, again, I know that this might not be the um, the most interesting um, next several episodes of um, Ain't That the Truth, but it's so important. Like I, like I mentioned last week, it's so important that we're able to defend our faith. Not that, that the Lord or Jesus or the Bible needs defending necessarily because the Holy Spirit's going to do the convicting, and the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to work in, the peop- in people's hearts, but we can be the mouthpiece to speak truth and, and and part of speaking truth is is not just speaking um what, what we know to be true but how we can have confidence in that because unfortunately today that we have so many people on social media on the news and in different books and in different places in our world that are saying words and they're claiming it to be truth, but it's not because it does not line up with the Word of God and, and, and it does not line up with Jesus Christ. So I pray that you all have a blessed week. Thank you for joining today. Like I said, next week we'll talk about contradictions in the Word of God, alleged contradictions because they're not actual contradictions. And, and the different tests that can be done to prove that they're not contradictions. And then the following week, we'll have special guest, Pastor Cherokee Parker, with us to talk about another reason why people have left the church, and that is bones. So I love you guys, and I hope you have a wonderful week.